Genesis is the book of beginnings. I think most of us know that. The, the root word is gene, and we know what that means, not your blue genes, but genetics. It's the beginning of our faith. It's the beginning of our understanding of God. And uh, for the next three weeks, I want us to look at a, uh, a series that we're calling Jacob's Journey. Um, Jacob is one of the patriarchal fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We remember the story of Abraham, that God called him out of his family of idolatry, rebellion, called him out of that uh, to lead him to a land he had no clue, but God was going to show him where it was. And he would know he got there because God would tell him. In other words, he didn't know where he was going with his life. We understand that aspect of Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant and how God promised that he's going to have lots and lots and lots of descendants and those descendants are going to be a blessing on the earth because God blesses them. So it's a conduit. And then after Abraham comes his son Isaac and God renews the Abrahamic covenant to him. And we remember that because of the story of Abraham the father attempting to sacrifice his son Isaac which is of course a picture of uh, God the Father sacrificing His Son Jesus on behalf of us. And then Jacob comes along and he's a continuation of this story and uh, Jacob is a conniver. He's a deceiver. He's one of the patriarchal fathers so our roots, uh, faith roots go back to Jacob, the conniver, the manipulator trying to be a success in life. And he got in trouble with a quarrel with his brother. And his, the last words he heard from his brother were, as soon as dad dies, I'm going to kill you. So Jacob leaves everything and flees for his life. And so he's on this journey going back to Haran, which is where Abraham came from. He's going back to see his uncle who's still living there, who he's never met. He's never been out of his home. He's going back to this uh, land expecting God to do something, but he doesn't know where he's going. He's kind of like his grandpa. Doesn't know where he's going. He's kind of lost, but he knows he's running. And we pick up the story here in Genesis 28, beginning in verse uh, 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Now my wife will tell you I don't like those fluffy pillows where you lay your head on it and it kind of wraps around your head. I want something that's firm. I like a firm pillow. But I have never laid my head on a rock. That's just not what I would want to do. So I want us to see six parts of the story. And these are the blanks if you want to write them down. Here's the first part. It's the timing. The timing. It says, because the sun had set. The sun had set. What do you think of when you think of the setting sun? It's the end of the day. Your opportunities for that day are over. You cannot go any further. The sun had set. The day of opportunity is over. 
night overtook him also at a certain place. I don't know about you, but I've had certain places in my life where God has met with me. Anybody ever had a place where God met with you? I accepted Christ in, a, in a, uh, an apartment building, an upstairs apartment building. There wasn't anybody around, no preacher. We were just in that apartment building. Not in a church. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the living room of Steve Hauser's house. God con- uh, divinely connected my wife and I and letting us know that we should, pers- we should pursue a relationship together, it was okay. In the living room of Dick and Joanne Kutzner's house, meeting places where I've met with God, a certain place that changed my life, and none of those places were in a church because it's personal. It can happen in a church, and I'm praying that some of that happens today, but it's a connection that we have to have. So what's a stone represent in the story? I think it's obvious it represents hardship. Hardship. It represents the fact that Jacob is running away from his home. And he has nothing. Absolutely nothing. He doesn't have a jacket. He doesn't have a, a blanket to lay his head on. He's got Nothing. He's stepping out with absolutely nothing in his life. So he lays his head on a rock. Something God has provided, but not something he would have sought out. And God was the last thing he was thinking about on this journey. Himself was what he was thinking about. So Jacob had been successful, but he'd been successful by deceit. He was a deceiver. And if you become successful because you deceived, then you constantly have this dread of discovery. If you've ever been tempted to fudge a little bit on the numbers on your taxes when you're filling that form out, and you think to yourself, they'll never know. I'm small, I'm small potatoes. They're not going to be interested in digging in and finding out. I can get away with this. But yet you also know there's this nagging thought in the back of your mind, what if they did find out? When you do something by deceit, you always have this dread of discovery that somebody's going to find out. And so he's looking back over his shoulder, always worried that the truth's going to come out. And he's going to be caught. So the question for us is, is the sun setting for you? Is this the end of the day? Is this a period where you, you have sown all you're going to sow? You have done all you're going to do? It's the end of the day of opportunity? This is when this next thing happened. At the end of the day. The timing is everything for you. The timing is everything for me. Let's go on to the second part of the story. This is uh, verse 12. Story continues. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. 
with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. A stairway to heaven. We would call that a ladder. A ladder appeared between him and heaven. Ladders are also significant. Ladders help us reach where we can't. It helps us get higher than we can go. And he sees this ladder appear. Now this is a dream. It's not reality. It's, an, it's a dream. Something going on in his mind. And in his mind, as he sleeps, he sees this ladder resting on the earth. It's, that's significant. It's not suspended there someplace. It's resting, planted firmly on the earth, which is where we dwell. This is where Jacob dwelt. So there is a ladder that's got to be symbolizing something that's firmly planted on the earth and reaching up to heaven. This is cool. What do you think that might represent? Now it says, with its top reaching to heaven, not toward heaven, to heaven. It's firmly planted on the earth and reaches all the way to heaven. And angels are ascending and descending on it. Now he didn't see any angels until the ladder was firmly in place. Then he saw the angels. You see, when we're, when we're reading these Old Testament book of Genesis stories, we are looking for symbolism. We're looking for types and shadows. We're looking for hidden truth. Someone has said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. There's truth to that. So we're in the new covenant, we're looking back at this story with Jacob, and we're asking ourselves, what is God saying to us, the church? And I think we're learning something. The third part of the story is the angels. Angels, you know what angels are. Ascending and descending on the ladder up and down at the same time. It doesn't say how many. Wouldn't you like him to give us a clue, paint that picture a little bit brighter for us? I don't know how many angels are going, but they're going up and down, up and down, up and down, ascending and descending. Now, angels do not come to bring us Christmas presents. What is the purpose of angels? We read about this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So Jacob is one who the last thing on earth he's thinking about is God right now. And he has this dream that opens his eyes. And he sees these angels ascending and descending He's an heir of salvation. He's going to be an heir of salvation as soon as he wakes up. Just as you and I 
can become an heir of salvation as soon as we wake up. Ministering spirits sent from God. Angels appear to have one corridor. It's the ladder. Up and down. Up and down. Transitioning back and forth from the earth to the heavens. Sent by God to minister to those that are going to inherit salvation. So I've inherited salvation. So what's that ladder symbolize? I'll tell you what I think it symbolizes. I think it symbolizes the cross. It symbolizes that thing that stretches between the earth and the heavens. Bridges the gap. It's the connector. It's the cross. The cross is crucial to us. Not as a superstition. Oh, I have this cross around my neck or I have this cross on my dashboard. That's superstition. We're talking about the power of the cross down deep inside us. We're talking about the hope that we have of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And the angels are ascending and descending on the ladder. The ladder is crucial. If the ladder isn't up there, if the ladder is not in place, if the cross isn't established in our life, we don't have these, this angelic corridor. We don't have this channel with God. That's crucial. The ladder represents the cross. Jesus says in John chapter 1 verse 51, he said, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It sure sounds like a reference to Jacob's ladder, doesn't it? The dream that Jacob had. It's going to be on the Son of Man. And the way we connect with Jesus is through the cross. The cross has to be established. The cross has to be firmly planted. We have got to come to this place of embracing the cross and making it a part of our lives. And the story goes on to unfold how we do that and what that looks like. Okay, here's the fourth part of the story. It's the Lord. In verses 13, 14, and 15, he says, There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you'll be spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. He said, I will not leave you until I have accomplished what I promised. Now, if you remember the wording of the Abrahamic covenant, you know this is exactly it. What God is saying is, I haven't changed. The promise I gave to your grandpa Abraham, and then I renewed to your father Isaac, I am now 
giving that promise to you. God is renewing the covenant. There are times in my life I need the covenant renewed. I need to go back to the cross. I need to reestablish the cross. I need to resurrender my life. I need to rededicate myself. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think we all need to keep coming back to that, that a renewal because the, the anointing leaks. Amen. The peace of God leaks. And I need to keep coming back and reestablishing that. So it says the Lord stood above the ladder. He wasn't on the ladder. He was above it. Everything is under his feet. And I'm down here under his feet. But thank God, I know where the ladder is. And I know how to connect with God. And I know how to get angels dispatched to move in and out of my life when I have need in my life. And you should as well. So as the ladder connected Jacob to God, the cross connects us to the Lord. So God gives a renewal of the covenant a relationship promised. I will not leave you until I have kept my promise to the full. God's promise. Which takes us to point number five, which is Jacob's response to the promise. And that is the altar. Look at this, starting in verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on, on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. It says the city used to be called Luz. In other words, he wasn't out in some remote wilderness someplace. He was right in town, surrounded by lots and lots of people, at a minimum dozens. It's called a city, maybe hundreds. We don't know how big that city was. But he had an encounter with God that nobody knew anything about. Nobody else saw it. Nobody else heard it. This was a personal encounter he had with God. God is so good. Early in the morning. Early in the morning he got up. Early in the morning. What does morning represent? A new day. If evening represents the day is done, early in the morning means a new day. It's brand new. And the first thing he said was, Oh my Lord, God has spoken to me. God has revealed this to me. This isn't just a story I've heard about my grandpa and my father. This is me. God has spoken to me, and it became personal to him. And this is the great thing I love about Christianity. God can speak to every one of us individually. He loves us. He's got a plan for us. So what's his response going to be? He's got to establish an altar. So he takes that rock, that stone, that which represented 
his hardship and he set it up as an altar and he poured oil on it, sacrifice to God. Amazing story. He's doing something. And he called the name of the place Bethel, which means house of God. This is the meeting place of God. This is where I go to find God. I'm setting this rock here because I never want to forget this place. I never want to forget this word. I never want to forget this experience. This is crucial to me. This is important to me. Everything's, and he changed the name of the place because when you meet the Lord, everything's new. Everything's new. You know, every time a new pope takes his position, he changes his name. He takes on a Christian name. Down through history, Christians have done that. When they would convert to Christianity, it was a new beginning. They would change their name. They would pick a, take up another name because it's all new. I don't know it's so significant that we change our name, but we should be changing everything else about us when we meet with God. When you get a promise from God and you're ready to make another promise back to Him, you're ready to, re, to, to establish that covenant, that is really cool. Everything's new when you meet God. Which takes us to the last part, part of the story, verses 20 through 22. This is the deal. He makes a deal. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat, and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as an altar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Notice that's way before the Mosaic law. This idea of giving God a tenth has nothing to do with the law. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, that's the law. That doesn't have anything to do with the church. Jacob is saying, I don't have anything. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what my future is. But if you will go with me like you just promised if you will hold my hand, if you will make sure that I've got a job, if you will make sure that I've got clothes, if you will make sure that my, my, my way is taken care of, then I will make you my God and everything you give me, I will return a tenth. It's a personal promise. It has nothing to do with a law. It has everything to do with his heart. He says, Lord, I am putting you in the driver's seat. Wherever you lead me, if you want to keep me poor, I'm promising to give you a tenth. If you prosper me and make me rich, I'm promising you I'm going to give you a tenth. You're in the driver's seat, Lord. You're in charge of where my life goes. Jacob is a model here for us. He's showing us how to respond to God's amazing grace, to the wonderful favor that he pours into our life. And that we don't have to be in control of where we're going. We just have to have God going through it with us. Amen. And if I, will lay my, if I will make a commitment to God like that, why would God not want to prosper me? Why would he not want to bless me? 
Why would he not want to open doors and lead me and guide me and direct me? Long before the law, people were making heart commitments to God. I remember when I made a heart commitment like that to God that had to do with my money. When I made a decision, we were going to tithe with our income. We had been given, but we, we didn't look at it. You know, we didn't factor out, okay, what's 10%, which is what tithe means, 10th. We didn't do that. But I remember I was challenged at a family camp to step into this covenant like Jacob did. And I didn't know how in the world we could do it. And I made a decision I would, and the rest is history. God has so blessed and prospered me just because I said yes to God. And I want to encourage all of us to say yes to God. Say yes to God. God wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper me. He wants to prosper our way. But we've got to come to this place of planting the cross in our life, establishing the ladder between here and there so that angels can begin to go and arrange our steps, guide our steps, and set us up for success, whatever that might look like for each of us. Because one of these days we're all going to have to stand before God and give account of what we've done. I want him saying, well done, good and faithful servant, when I stand before him. We bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, This is an amazing story, and we want to embrace the story. We want to make it a part of our life. Lord, help us to dream. Help us to get a vision of you. Help us to see what you're trying to do in our lives, that you are there. You're trying to say, I'm walking with you. I'm right here. You're just wanting us to, to plant the cross, establish the cross, So that you have a channel, a conduit, a stairway. While we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me just ask, is there someone here that you can say, I want to make a covenant like that. I want to take a step into that. I want to step closer to God. I want him being my Lord. I want him going through my hardship with me. I want him leading me through to the other side of the hardship. I'm willing to establish the cross. I'm willing to accept what Jesus did on that cross for me so that I could have peace with God. I want that relationship established or renewed. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I know who to pray for? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Thank you. Got about eight hands across here. Anybody else want to join them before we pray? Let's all say this prayer out loud. Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I want to believe in Jesus. I understand what he did on the cross was paying the price for my sin. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Help me to establish the cross in my life. I accept Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross right now. Lord, renew me and help me to make you a part of my life. 
and every aspect of it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Jacob had nothing when he made that promise to God. Nothing but a rock he found. It's all he had. And God prospered him, and he opened up doors of blessing. So God wasn't trying to get something out of him at that point. He was just saying, Lord, I want to give it to you. If you'll walk with me, and let me see that it's you. Everything you give me from this point on, I know has come from you. It's going to be okay. I'm going to return a portion. And each of us that have received from God, I think we've got some responsibility here. Amen? Amen. We want to walk responsibly. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace and mercy you've shown us, for the people that have made a decision here today. I pray this would be the beginning of big things ahead. Help us not to become discouraged when hardship comes into our life. That's a part of the process of the resurrection, Father. We've got to get the old out of us so new can come in. So, Father, like you did with Jacob, make us new, prosper us, and bless us so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got some prayer partners that will be here to the front that will be glad to pray with you. Go with God. He loves you more than you'll ever know.